Oh man, that was a rough night last night. It was rough, which we could explain a little bit, but it certainly included very little sleep. And not just us, but the family heard the little ones crying downstairs. They had a rough night. Ended up hearing that Sam slept on the floor of their room all night. Yeah, for you guys slept for like an hour and a half. So that was sort of the general oh, consensus. Man, and I was just up and down and up and down and prayer did not feel like it was working or kind of working or oog. I know sometimes it's a mystery and sometimes it's not. Friends, welcome back to the Wild at Heart podcast, John and Stacy in the studio this week. And we did. We had a rough night last night. And it may be because of what we wanted to talk about today. I know. I know it is. <laughs> this is a game changer. This is so important. Oh, because what's been on our hearts, and it's been on my heart since the end of 2020, but we just haven't kind of gotten it into the lineup until this week. I felt Jesus very strongly saying to me, teach folks, remind folks how to enforce my kingdom in your kingdoms, in your homes, in your personal realms. So here we are, and last night can be a... <laughs> It's like, a, it's like a clue, you know, this <laughs> yeah. is where we're going. And even as yeah. you say that, I feel like people need to pause and say, what? What are we talking about? And yes, it's about enforcing the kingdom of God in your personal kingdoms, which we can do. Yes. There are a lot of forces swirling in the world right now. And we've mentioned a number of them in previous episode. all the fear in the world right now. I was sitting with a young man yesterday. He's not really in the orbit or the, you know, kind of the population of the Wild at Heart community. And he was reflecting to me from his world and his profession, career, his community, just how much fear is out there. Oh, yes. So much fear. And I read an article this morning about a woman who named a virus of hatred yes. spreading around the world. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So you've got the fear and hatred. You've got the hopelessness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That it's just heartbreaking mm -hmm. and so understandable, but really hard, really, really rough. And then there's some other stuff rolling in, and you can see oppression, oppression and control. Yes, yes. Oh, swirling yes. Swirling in the world. If you just take a look at the global news, you know, the protests in India and the farmers and the government clamping down on them or the marches in Tunisia or just, yeah, you just you take You don't a, have to look very far. You don't. So, folks, all that stuff swirling around out there, very rough time for us as, as human hearts and souls what we want to focus on right now is that you don't want all that stuff having unlimited access to your personal kingdom, right? To, particularly to your home, your, right. your apartment, your dorm room, like your living space, right? You, we've got to talk about how we as believers, followers of Jesus, have both the privilege and the authority. Yes to enforce his kingdom, at least beginning within our own personal kingdoms and realms. Yeah. 
So I thought it would be really good, gang, for us all to go back and, and do a little Bible study together because we have listeners across a broad spectrum. Some folks are deep, deep into the theology of the kingdom of God and the authority we have in Christ, and they could teach this podcast better than we. Mm -hmm. And then you have folks for whom this is brand new. This is a a new thought and everyone in between. Right. And we need everyone to understand that we're not making any of this up. Yes. It's rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Yeah. Yeah. So let's begin with something just so essential to human nature, to what are human beings and why are we here? What is essential to our design and purpose And if we start in Genesis, the first thing you see is that we are created to rule. That's so good. Let me me read from Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And again, if you understand the heart of God, and how much he loves and cares for creation. This idea of ruling over creation is not oppressive. Right. It's not tyrannical. We were meant to care for the earth. Yes. By exercising a God-appointed governance mm-hmm. over it. And all through the Old Testament then, this theme gets repeated over and over and over again. For example, Psalm 115 in verse 16, the highest heavens belong to the Lord but the earth he has given to mankind. And then you look forward to it as well. Here it is in Revelation 5. You, talking to Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. They, human beings, the friends of God, ransomed and restored by Christ, partners with him now. And this is the theme of the entire scripture, that God has always been wanting to partner with human beings, Mm -hmm. right? Like he could get the gospel out to the world just by seizing all the airwaves and the internet and social media and just broadcasting it. He could just broadcast it to the human consciousness, but he loves to partner with us. And so you have podcasts and books and church services and missionaries and films and, you know. Yeah, and and your life and all the details of your life. Right. So Adam and Eve, our forebears, designed to partner with God Mm -hmm. in ruling and reigning. And then all the way there in Revelation in the restored earth and restored (sighs) humanity, we're just right back at it. Yeah, yes. Okay, ruling and reigning. It's so deep to human nature. I love Dallas Willard's expression. He would often say, we are in training for reigning. Oh, I like it. In the meantime, 
we are learning how to recover that with God, to partner with Him, to partner with Christ in all the projects He has for us, mm -hmm. from parenting to writing books to building corporations to governing nations, mm. coaching soccer teams. Yes. Right? Teaching yes. third grade English, mm -hmm. you know, all of it. We partner with God as His sons and daughters in ushering in the beauty, the love, and the kingdom of God in everywhere that we have influence. And you see this desire to rule and to reign in little children. It's so deep in us. We've been mentioning on the podcast that we've had our son Sam and his family living with us, little two-year-old boy, little four-year-old girl. And I was playing cars with little Johnny the other night, and he didn't want to give me any of the cars. <laughs> and at first, I was like thinking, wait, is this like a disobedience issue? Is this a... But then Jesus in his kindness was showing me, he's at the developmental stage where he needs to know he has, he has say over something in his world. Yeah. You know, when kids are very, very young, you choose everything they wear. You choose everything that goes in their mouth. They, they have very little say. But as they begin to develop a sense of personhood, and yeah. I just love this. This is right out of Eden. As they develop a sense of selfhood, they need to know that they have some choices and that their choices matter. Exactly, exactly. I'm wondering if this is part of the root of the mine piece, that it's not all just selfishness and sin, but it's self-determination and we'll take turns, but actually this is this is mine. Yes. I have governance over this. You get to have a little kingdom. And mm -hmm. right now those four little cars yeah. are part of your kingdom and it's okay to govern that. Like you get to have a say. And then, you know, you see it in adults simply when we move into a new place, right? You get a dorm room, you get a new apartment, you move into a new house, a house new to you, right? Right. And you have this innate thing where you want to make it your own. Yeah. You start decorating and rearranging. If you don't like the paint on the walls, you change the color. <laughs> We've got some gals at the office here who are sick of the fairly drab Drab yellow, which I can't stand it. It needs to go away. Paint 80s color. paint color <laughs> in our building here. And so I, I walked into Jamie's office yesterday, and there's paint cans on the floor. And I'm like, really? What's going on in here? And she's like, Karen and I are painting this room. Okay, there it is. Like, that's it. That's Genesis 1 right there. Yeah. There is Eve exercising kingdom dominion in a portion of her domain. And it brings us joy, and it brings us a sense of meaning and purpose in life to know that we have a say and that our say can be effective and be redemptive and, yes. be, and be wonderful. Yes. And I know that with every God-given thing that we're imbued with, it has been skewed. There are things that are broken. Maybe we are too territorial. Maybe we are all of that. But what we're talking about is the God-given gift and yes. the goodness yes. 
of exercising your authority over the domain that God has given you. Yes, bringing order out of chaos. Oh, that's good. Can I mention the annual closet cleaning that seizes you at some point in the year? Yes, yeah. You close the door <laughs> to the closet and this life happens all on its own. So yeah, I have to keep doing it, but oh, and it's done. It's so magnificent. Doesn't it feel good? It feels so good. And then if you look at it on another side, when people lose a sense of control over their lives, mm. a, a sense of management, a sense of say, I have some say. Yes. And I can make things better. That's kind of the key thing is that we're given this capacity and the authority to make things better, mm. right? When you lose that, people really despair and well, they should. I, yeah. I was thinking this morning, not in every case, but in some cases of young women developing eating disorders, the issue is often control. She may have a very domineering home. She may have a very fearful and chaotic home. But the whole thing around food and whether it's binge and purge or or with whatever, it's control. Oh, exactly. It gives me a sense of control. And you you see this, you know, that's the harm side, mm -hmm. right? When control is taken away, when some kind of dignified say over your life, your realm, what we're calling your personal kingdom, because there are there are different realms in the world. And a teacher has a classroom, and she has a kingdom. And she often gets to choose what is taught there, for the most part, how she'll go about it. She certainly chooses order and classroom rules. Mm -hmm. No chewing gum, put your cell phones away. You know. Right, all of it. Yeah. Now, she's within a larger system. She's within a school, and then she's within a school district. Yes. And a county and a state. And so she doesn't have dominion over things outside her personal kingdom. She may be able to bring, or he may be able to bring influence there. But within the realms that we would call our personal kingdoms, and, and this is just so beautiful. Let's go back to the Lord's Prayer, okay? Everybody has a kingdom, including God. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is the definition of a kingdom. Your kingdom is where your will is done. Now in heaven, in the kingdom of God, the fullness of the kingdom of God, his will is done perfectly. There's no hatred. There's no fear. There's no racial tension. All is well. There's yes. no disease. There's no injustice. There's none of that. No oppression. <gasps> it is beautiful and right mm -hmm. in the kingdom of God. Just that rightness and that longing in the human being to get that rightness back. I just want things to be right. So the reason it is, is because the will of God is done perfectly in the kingdom of the heavens. And here on earth, because of the fall of man and the incursion of evil and all of that, we are in the process yes. of making things right. And, and we're actually in quite a fight over that. But the kingdom, the kingdom of God is where his will is done, okay? And your kingdom is where your will is done. What you say 
goes. Yeah, so let's talk about what, what that is. Now, I just remember raising boys and how many times you would say to them, do not bring that into the house, okay? <laughs> that is an outside joke. Now yeah. I say to the dog, no, yeah. you may not bring that into the house. Oh, yeah. It, it may be a lizard. It may be a snake. You know, it's the dead rat the dog wants to bring in. <laughs> no. no. That doesn't come in my house. Or or the classic thing of, of the mom saying, wipe her shoes. Right. Leave those dirty boots outside. Yeah, or, or say like, Leave your dirty boots outside. <laughs> okay, yes, lovingly <laughs> and, and perfectly. But you get the idea, right, that we each have a kingdom and a domain, and often it begins with our home or our apartment or even just the room that we have. Yes. A room in a house that we're renting or sharing with others mm-hmm. or or a dorm room. That side. You have a little kingdom where you get to say what goes. The color of the walls how often you organize the closet, right? Whether you vacuum or not, whether or not you get to leave the socks on the floor. Mm, Yeah. You have a kingdom. Your money would be part of your kingdom for the most part. Now there's taxes and debts and things, but for the most part, you choose on any given day if you're going to go out to lunch or not, if you're going to buy those new sunglasses or not. If you're going to put this into savings and how. Yeah, and where. Exactly. Where that money goes. Yeah. And and usually some realm within your work, you know, if you own your own company, then you clearly have a kingdom. If you're coaching a team, you clearly have a little kingdom there. Most people work within someone else's kingdom, like the teacher in the school district. But within that, we have some sort of say, right? The projects we're managing. The- Absolutely. Even my first job was at Jack in the Box, you know, and the, doing the drive through window or doing the cashier and taking orders. Well, that was mine. Yes. And my the way I did it, the way I handled it, the way I handled other people, that was my little kingdom. And, and can we add the spirit that you brought to it? Yes. Right? You could have done it angrily. You could have done it resentfully, you could have done it lovingly and cheerfully, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so you got to have, you got that to That was affect my control, yeah. The atmosphere of that kingdom, and this is really big, affecting the atmosphere through what we bring and how we govern and, and bring presence and, and bring, to the extent that we can, the authority that we have over it. Yes. Oh, that's so good. The way we affect our worlds by what we bring. Yeah. Yeah. To name another, your body is an essential part of your kingdom. And again, for good or for ill. Yes. And I am aware that in all of this, we may not have total control over every aspect, but over that which we do, it's really important to assert to that reign authority. And to govern. So think of how Paul describes the body in Romans 6. He writes this, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. That passage was absolutely huge for me as a new believer, 18, 19 years old, because in my wildness, I had given my body over to a whole bunch of stuff, drugs, alcohol, illicit sex, all kinds of things. The abuse of this temple Temple, that I had governance over. And what Paul's describing is, look, Jesus has done phenomenal things for you. You really are rescued now. You really are. And you are not in slavery to that stuff anymore. But he goes on, even uses the word reign. Yeah. Don't let sin reign in your body now by what you do with it, by what, and he talks about offering it. Mm-hmm, what you right? give your body over yes, to. Yes, what you give it over to. And so that's just a, it's a great picture of governance. Yeah. And kingdom. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's our little temple that we have been given to operate within this beautiful world and to love and serve and work and fight. And we choose, for the most part, what happens with our body. And again, when that's taken away, you, you, you see the stark contrast with prisoners of war, stripped of every possible realm of personal choice mm-hmm. when they sleep, mm-hmm. if they get to sleep, if they eat, what they get mm-hmm. to eat. You know, so much of human decision making and kingdom ruling is taken away even over their body. Right. And and to say that this is actually an essential part of what it means to be human. Yes, yes. And then on the redemption side, Christ coming in to redeem all that. And just like children, he gives us greater and greater responsibility and further and further influence. You know, I love it. Little Johnny gets to pick what he gets to wear. So does Finley, little four-year-old girl. And sometimes their parents are mortified by what they chose. Johnny wants to stay in his pajamas most of the day. Wise boy that he is. Yeah, right, comfy. (laughs) Um, But children then get larger and larger, right? Opportunities, their friendships, sleepovers, a driver's license, good heavens. Right. And then on into adult life Mm -hmm. where there is release to, to live your full adult life and the choices that you're making. That is exactly what God does with us. He grows us up in our life in Christ into greater and greater measure and influence, greater kingdoms. Greater authority. And learning how to exercise. Yes. Learning how to operate in it. Because that's the the whole kingdom project is restoration. Where there was Adam and Eve, we heard rule and subdue, be my partners, govern with me. And then you heard Revelation in the restoration, we're governing with God again in, in all its fullness. And in the meantime, we're in training for reigning. And this can actually help people a great deal with their worldview because it can be really frustrating at times 
fearful at times what God seems to allow in this world. It almost seems like way too much of an exercise of authority. But he trusts his sons and daughters to rise to the challenge mm. and to exercise what has already been won for us in Christ. And that's the encouraging word. He didn't just kick you out of the house and, you know, all those hard stories of kids sent into the world way too young or into the foster system or that sort of thing. He doesn't just kick us out of the house. He says, look, I'm your father. I'm with you. Christ has won enormous victory in this world and in this world at war. Now I want you to begin to implement it. So for the body thing in Romans 6, right? We, we have been rescued. Now don't give your body, John, over to drugs and alcohol anymore. You, you can exercise that now. I want you to grow up. So what we really wanted to focus in on right now is your personal sanctuary, whether that is your home or your apartment or a dorm room or even just where you lay your head at night. For me, for a time, it was just my bed. Yep. And you have the authority over that because we all need a place where we feel safe, a place where we can be restored and renewed. Especially in this hour on the earth. Yes. Because we're all so depleted and hammered by the last, you know, 14 yes. months and and all that's going on and continues to unfold that we need some safe place. And yes, mission, yes, you know, chasing your dreams. But what we want to focus on right now is our, is our very personal realms, where we lay our heads down, where mm-hmm. we take our meals, where we live our personal lives that need to feel like places of renewal. Mm-hmm. And and so we're going to we're going to focus on that, but the things that we'll say certainly apply to the teacher in the yes. classroom, the owner of a company, the coach of a team, the parent of the child. So what we're going to get into for a moment is some of the theology and the skill, the understanding of enforcing the kingdom of God in your kingdom. So the first point we've made is that human beings are created to do this. We are created to govern with God. And that secondly, we all have a kingdom, however small it might feel mm-hmm. to you right now. Right. You chose what socks you put on yeah, today there you go. or didn't, right? You have a kingdom. And what we've also been alluding to is that there is a lot of stuff swirling in the world right now. We live in a world at war. Battle. The war of good and evil is not just a theme of Scripture, like marriage might be a theme or tithing might be a theme or what you say and the power of the tongue might be a theme. No, the battle of good and evil is the backdrop. Yes, the context in which we are living. Of everything else. Yeah. All of it. It's not just one idea of Scripture. It is literally the framework Mm -hmm. right now within which everything else in life takes place. Parenting, dreaming, teaching, governing, Mm -hmm. everything else. Your vacations, for heaven's Mm -hmm. sakes, are all taking place in a world at war. And one of the (laughs) real epiphanies that came to me 
was the realization early in my Christian life as I began to understand what in the world is going on here is that there are only two kingdoms in the world. There is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. I used to think that there was like a whole bunch of middle ground that was sort of like a spiritual Switzerland. Right, areas where, you know, it really didn't matter. It didn't seem to. Uh The battle had not seemed to reach it yet. Yeah. But I want to read this passage from 1 Corinthians 15, because I think this is going to be really helpful for a number of our listeners. What is Jesus up to right now? What is the context of the story in the current moment? Now, 1 Corinthians 15 is this incredible, wonderful chapter on the resurrection and on the power of the resurrected Christ and our eternal life in him, the hope that we do not die. Mm. Our lives go on forever. But in the midst of this chapter, Paul makes this little this, this little cul-de-sac for a moment to make a point, and the point is earth-shaking. Beginning in verse 20, Paul writes this, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive but each in turn, Christ, the firstfruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. And then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. And here's the key. For Jesus must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So God has sent Christ on a mission, and what Jesus accomplished through his righteous life, through his sacrificial death, his obedience even unto the cross, as Paul describes in Philippians, through the power of his resurrection, and through his ascension to the right hand of the Father, He has undone what Adam and Eve did in their failure to govern and partner with God. Jesus has won it back. He did it. He he, the son of man stepping into that role of partnership with God. He won it back. But the story didn't just flip a switch with the ascension of Christ. He says, now, before the end comes, he is reigning ruling, governing, exercising authority until all his enemies have been put under his feet. There is a very real war Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And yes, Christ has all authority. Yes, the victory has been won, but we are in a stage of the campaign in which he is using his human partners again. Those are Christians his sons and daughters who are being restored and renewed and healed and, you know, made holy, he is using us in that same campaign and learning how to exercise that, particularly right now in our own kingdoms, is is really critical. Right. I'm thinking of the word enforce, 
We are enforcing his kingdom, enforcing his rule and reign. He has won it, but the battle is against an unruly, disobedient enemy. Exactly. And, and you know, anytime you get into human analogies, they, they break down a little bit. But you think about in World War II, either in Europe or in the South Pacific, even after there was significant victory, there were fierce pockets of enemy resistance yes. that had to be cleared out. Mm-hmm. That refused to acknowledge what has been won. There you go. That refused to acknowledge it. And the enemy will refuse to acknowledge it as long as he can get away with that in people's lives. Right. Like as long as people continue to fold and surrender under fear or hatred or, you know, the exercise of what he's trying to do. Right, then he has a heyday. He just mows your grass as much as he can, right? He just does. Well, 1 Peter 5. Okay, this is is a bastion of hope, but also um, a strategy. Yes. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, he says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And devour means maul, shred, destroy, kill. It's not merely tempt. Looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. This is exactly the context we were given in 1 Corinthians 15. Christ is reigning until he has destroyed all of the enemy's kingdom, until he's brought all his enemies under his feet. Meantime, the enemy is trying to hold out, trying to resist and and trying to hang on to places he has seized either in our own lives or our communities or in the world as long as he can. And so it is a very serious situation we find ourselves in. Right, and we have a role to play. We do, we do. And and take heart, take heart. The, The good news is the Son of Man has won. Yes. And we're in a phase, we get to live after the intervention of Jesus Christ and the transfer of authority to him. Okay, so Jesus has all authority now, and he has shared it with us. Let's just read through some of those passages. This is good. Matthew 28, starting in 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Okay, so this is post-resurrection. Post-cross, all of the work's been accomplished there, the atonement, salvation, and the breaking of the power of Satan over the human race because that he won that through sin, and Christ has overcome that through what through his cross and resurrection. At that point, the Father has given all authority to Christ, and then he gives it to us. That The idea of go, therefore, and make disciples— is a transfer of authority. Go in my authority. Philippians 2, Paul is describing, again, the transfer of authority to Christ. It says, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on Jesus the name 
the title, the authority, which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mm, Hallelujah. And then um, in Luke 10, what happens next? The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I love, I love the orientation of that passage. Prior to the victory of Christ, prior to his authority, the world was a very dark place. And being demonized and how to deal with demons was a matter of, of great concern in every world religion. Mm-hmm. And you had different forms of exorcists and shaman and spells and chants and bizarre stuff that people were trying to do to get some victory, either in their own bodies mm-hmm. or in their homes, over this darkness yeah. that they found around them. And this is very true. You know, you go anywhere outside what we would call, quote, the developed world, where where the Enlightenment and the Industrial Revolution and technology really stripped the the developed world of the awareness of the spiritual realm. You go anywhere outside of that. Right. They know there's a spiritual reality. We are living in in a battle, and there are two forces. And they are looking for some way to win. Mm -hmm. Show us. Mm -hmm. And so they've got their trinkets or the chants or they've got the, you know, the voodoo or whatever they're trying to do to get these foul things out of their kingdoms, their homes, their work, their children, their personal realm. And the phenomenal thing is that Jesus, Jesus has completely one, and bestows on us now the ability to enforce that victory with real victory. Yes. With real lasting yes. victory. This is a fun little side note. This was actually one of the things that convinced Blaise Pascal, the famous mathematician of the resurrection of Christ, was that the demons obey his name. And he said, that doesn't make any sense unless he's still alive. There you go. If he was history. Right. Right? Who have no power. Yeah, but they know he rules and reigns. Mm -hmm. They know he does. So back to last night. What was happening in our home last night was, for one thing, Stacey and I were just kind of, we just kept being woken up. Just something would just startle us. And at first, we, we couldn't quite tell, is this just us? Is this because, you know, we watched too much news yesterday or I had caffeine too late in the evening or, you know, in the middle of the night, you're a little (laughs) delirious. A little groggy trying to figure it out. You know, so at first we're not clear on what's going on here. Why can't we sleep? Why do we keep getting sort of bumped out of the state of sleep? And then I heard the little ones crying downstairs and I went, oh, hang on, this is the whole house right now. And then as I began to try and tune in, 
and just to start praying and, you know, okay, come on. Sometimes all you could do is just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that's fine. Yes. That's a really good beginning. It may be sufficient in many cases, but okay, so I'm just trying to wake up and dial in and what's going on. And then I became aware of, oh, something is trespassing. Now, we have a kingdom here. Our home is dedicated and consecrated to the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray over it every evening as we go to bed. And so, this is uninvited stuff. It is trespassing, Mm -hmm. transgressing against you know, our kingdom and our authority and our realm. It has no right. Right, it's illegal. To be there. Yeah. But as we were pointing out, this stuff is going to continue to try and exert itself until it is made to stop. It is made to obey. You know, I'm thinking of the passage in Philippians, which is so powerful. I just love that. God highly exalted Jesus, bestowed on him the name above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Well, not every knee is bowing yet, okay? We're in the process Mm -hmm. of that. And these foul guys, these various powers and spirits and stuff, trying to trespass into our home, you know, what we began to pray was, we forbid this. We command the authority of Jesus over our home. And I think what we want to do is describe a little bit of that right now this week and then pick it up again next week because this is too important of a conversation to just give to one podcast. So we want to describe it and then we'll come back next week and and take a deeper cut into it. And the basics are given to us in James, the book of James, chapter 4, verse 7. He says, submit therefore to God, resist the enemy, and he will flee, which is just a wonderful promise. He will. He has to obey. But it's a two-part thing. There is the submission, and then there is the resisting. Right, then no submit, no resist, no flee. Yeah, and so every evening, uh, as part of our bedtime prayers, we dedicate and consecrate our home to Christ. We, We just literally pray something to the effect of, we bring our home under the protection of Jesus. Mm hmm you can do this in a hundred different ways, guys. They, it's, it's not the wording. It is the spirit of it. We make Jesus Christ Lord of our home, mm-hmm. or we once again consecrate our home to the kingdom of God, or we declare that Jesus is Lord here. And again, right now, we're focused on our personal sanctuaries, your little space. But the things that we're sharing, you know, apply to your full kingdom and realm. So there's the act of consecration, And then there's the act of enforcing. We bring our home, we bring our family, we bring our household under the loving rule and protection of Jesus right now. Morning, evening, afternoon, whenever, gang, there isn't a magic to this. But we do it daily. And if you do the daily prayer, for example, you're doing it every day because you're bringing the work of Christ over your home and your family and your household. And John, would that include consecrating our sleep and are dreaming as yeah, well. I do. I yeah. think it's really important to consecrate specifically things that feel under attack right now. Mm, yes. Things that feel hard pressed. So if it's your sleep, or maybe you are sleeping, but you're having nightmares. So I'm going to consecrate my dreaming and, and, and the hours that I am in the vulnerability of sleep. I bring that under the loving protection and the rule and what 
what we often use, the word is jurisdiction. Yes. Under the jurisdiction of Jesus Christ, the effective influence of his kingdom authority. That's what we're trying to get done here. And we do it by consecration. And then there is the resisting. There's the second part of James 4, 7 and 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. There is the resisting. And we command the authority of the Lord Jesus here in our home against all trespass. And you can probably name what's been trying to trespass. It's like, gosh, there's just been so much tension in our family. Or, man, I feel so discouraged. Overwhelmed might be one. Fear and anxiety is sure rampant. Hopelessness. Uh Okay, so you, you can name it often. We forbid the trespass of the enemy here. And, and if you can get specific, be specific. But what you're doing is you are now enforcing, as a son of God, as a daughter of God, you are enforcing the kingdom to shield your little kingdom and domain right here. Yes. And I'll often say to the borders of our property, right here in our little space, we are enforcing the kingdom of God and we forbid trespass day or night right now. We forbid trespass into our realm here. And it works. It works. We, we've done this at the outpost for many, many, many years now. And I mentioned the young man that I was having the conversation with the other day came here and, and he was sitting in the lobby and he said, this place is so peaceful. He's like, can I just hang out here and do some work? Yeah. See, that's so good because that that highlights another part of it, that we are enforcing the jurisdiction of the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom, and we're calling forth then his kingdom in our domain, and his kingdom is a kingdom of love. Yes. It's a kingdom of peace, unity, truth, goodness. So coming into agreement with who he is and what he does. And invoking it. Invoking it, yes. That's the little piece that I think a lot of people just need some training in. It's the idea of you are a restored partner of God who is designed to rule which means to enforce, command, govern, insist on the realm of God in your kingdom. And a lot of folks just want to throw up a quick prayer and, oh, Jesus, I pray we sleep well tonight. And I hope that works. If that works, far out. Run with that as long as that works. Right, but you are being trained to reign. And with the stuff that's swirling in the world right now, it's probably not working. Mm-hmm. And so we consecrate and then we enforce. And all the beauty of that, invoking peace into our home, commanding the love of God in our home is really wonderful and really effective. And the the promising news is whatever's going on in the chaos of the world, you have a kingdom and realm that's been brought under the jurisdiction of Jesus, and you can enforce his loving rule and the holiness and the power of the borders of the kingdom in your kingdom and realm. And we will come back next week and explain a little bit more about that and answer what are probably a number of questions coming up in your minds right now, which we can anticipate. Excellent. Hey, wait, before we go, gang, Stacey and I want to tell you about something really wonderful that we're excited about. On March 6th, we are going to hold a live 
online event, a live stream event. It's a 90-minute event called Fresh Hearts, Strong Hearts, Homecoming 21. And you might remember some of our listeners that we did a homecoming event live a couple years ago, hon. When was that? I think it's 2019. Yeah, in 19. In 19. It was so wonderful. And, you know, we had more than a thousand folks here and it was refreshing and encouraging, but it also gave folks a plan and a strategy right before the pandemic hit for soul care and, and everything that was in Get Your Life Back. In fact, everybody got a copy of Get Your Life Back in a manuscript form of that homecoming. Well, we want to come back and do it together, but... At this point in the world, most of our friends can't come back and do it together. So we're going to do it online and keep it to 90 minutes because that's a lot for online. But Stace and I have some really beautiful and special things to share with you. New ways to be encouraged and healed and strengthened in Jesus. New ways to encounter Him. Yeah, to dive deep, be refreshed. So it's at 1 o'clock Mountain Time on on Saturday, March 6th. And the reason why we chose one is it tries to let us get a big old swath of the the globe together, either in the early morning in the Far East or somewhere in the evening uh, or in the afternoons uh, times here in the Americas. So March 6th, Homecoming 21, Fresh Hearts, Strong Hearts. And you do need to register for it. You can do that on our website at wildatheart.org. 